Grace and peace be to you from God our Father, who has assembled us together and yet made us each unique. Your friends in Christ, in our world today when teams are involved, partnerships have occurred and assemblies have taken place, unity is not normal. For 20 years, the New England Patriots, owner, coach, and quarterback all stayed together and they enjoyed six Super Bowl victories. If you aren't a Super Bowl uh, sports fan, how about some other illustrations? The musical group, the, the Supremes, were together for many years and yet they split up because of ego, pride, and one of the singers wanted to go solo. After many years together, many bands like the Beatles and ABBA parted ways. The business world is laced with such stories. Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg and his associate Eduardo Severin, who provided the capital for the company, clashed over the company's direction. Their relationship collapsed and Zuckerberg forced Severin out. Once these teams and partnerships were strong, but the relationship fractured because of pride, ego, and self. This can happen to the Christian church as well. Over the last four weeks, we have seen how God has assembled us together. He is the greatest GM, if you would, or general manager. He has created you with special gifts and connected you to people, other talented people. But like the, the church, like any assembled group, may fracture and fall apart for the same reasons. Pride, ego, and self. The history of the Christian church is filled with accounts when it was persecuted by outsiders. Instead of collapsing, these churches often bonded and grew closer together. After Jesus ascended into heaven, the, uh, I think of how the church was under attack and yet how it grew by thousands because of devoted disciples. Think about the age of Martin Luther and how the Lord used Luther to reform the church and strengthen the church body. But if you, have, if you examine the records, the church has experienced uh, with discord, and when the church has experienced discord and disputes, often the cause was not external pressures, but internal strife. The devil is working hard to take this assembly of believers and the united talents that God, the unique talents that God has given us to inflate our pride, create divisions, and see it fall apart. That is why our message for today matters. We can learn how God designs the body and each of us as unique individuals. We can know that God has placed the parts of the body just where he wanted them to be and, uh, and uh, united all those parts. But if we aren't glued together, we may unravel his amazing design. That is why the Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul to write the words of 1 Corinthians 13. These words are often used to uh, instruct engaged couples in how they should treat each other. But Paul really wrote these words to inform his readers about the glue that binds all Christian relationships. Today I pray that you will cherish the glue that binds us together and that the Spirit will fill you with a desire to produce the fruit of love. We begin, we begin with the last verse of 1 Corinthians 12. This verse shows us how to connect the uniqueness of God's gifts with the glue, uh, with, uh, the glue that binds our assembly together. But eagerly desire the greater gifts, and now I will show you the most excellent
the last four weeks, we have learned how God has specifically placed parts in the body and gifted the body just as he wanted them. Paul is not saying that you should want gifts that you haven't been given. But what does Paul mean when he says, eagerly desire the greater gifts? Bible scholars offer two explanations. The first one, desire the gifts that you already have. Strive to use uh, the, those gifts in, uh, that you have. Maybe the top five uh, that we've been learning about. Pursue the greater ones, the ones that have more impact in your uh, home, at work, and in your church, in this church. Two, the one I prefer, uh, desire to use your gifts in the greatest ways. What is the, the largest impact or the biggest impact that you can have with your strengths, gifts, and talents? How can you put them to, uh, to use in the greatest way? For that thought really fits with what Paul is, uh, says next, that he will show us the best way to do this. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 13 to see the best way to use our gifts and talents. If I speak it, uh, in the tongues of men and of angels, but I do not have love, I become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I know all mysteries and I have all knowledge, and if I have faith so as if to move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I, get, if I give away everything I own, and if I give up my body that I may be burned, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. What is the most excellent way? The Corinthian Christians valued certain gifts more highly than others. They overemphasized the gift of speaking in tongues, the ability to speak in other languages and communicate with people uh, that speak differently was a gift that they valued as unique and better than others. If you could speak in other languages, or even if you could speak like angels, but you lack love, you are nothing more than a random noise. If you have some great gifts and speak in tongues, but if love isn't motivating them, it's like the roar of the blue angels when they're flying over a stadium. If you can preach like Peter and fathom all mysteries like Paul, and you have faith like Abraham, but you lack love, you are of no value. If I empty my bank accounts and I go to the homeless shelter and I give away all uh, that money, and if I sacrifice my body, treat it harshly, or lead an aesthetic life, but I don't show love. It gets me nothing. Do you grasp what Paul is saying about your talents and your gifts without love? Agape love means sacrificial and unselfish love. Even though every person is sin-saturated and sin-cursed and completely unworthy of divine love, God loves you. That is agape love. If you lack love, if you aren't using your gifts and talents for the good of others, if what fuels your thought and actions is you, and not them, then your strengths and your talents and your gifts are meaningless. They serve no purpose. If we lack love, our gifts and strengths have no value. No matter how great or small, no matter how unique, they aren't worth anything. Does that bother you? When we look at our accomplishments and our achievements, 
If I didn't do them in love, they have no value. I can be the, the greatest achiever, but if my acts are done for Kurt and for uh, his glory, uh, my glory, and not done with anyone else in mind, they have no value. If I use my strengths and my gifts for me, Paul says, I gain nothing. This should scare you. By nature, each and every one of us lacks love. Each and every day we struggle with the sin of pride and putting ourselves first. So we need to identify this and be humble. For if we don't understand this, if love isn't there, and it isn't all about pursuing, and it's all about pursuing gifts for me, not using them uh, for others, then the assembly that God has created is like Humpty Dumpty, and we'll never put it back together again. All too often we must admit that our sinful pride has caused fractures and divisions and has harmed and hindered our relationships. In our church, though, we need love. We need to understand love, and we need to apply it. First, we need to understand love. Listen to John's inspired words. Dear friends, let us love one another, because love comes from God. The, love who does not, the one who does not love has not known God, because God is love. This is not about you. Love is not an emotion that you need to produce on your own. God is the source and author of love. He says that. This is how God's love for us was revealed. God sent His one and only Son into the world that we may live through Him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us. And He sent His Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. God is the author of love, and then God describes what love really is. Love is an action. Remember, God so loved the world, He sent His one and only Son to save that world. Jesus is, uh, so loved you that He came into this world and He put Himself under God's law. Not only is God the author of love, but He has revealed it to us. By God's grace, we know God's love. You and I are not lost in the dark. By God's grace, your heart has been changed from one of stone into one of love. Because the Holy Spirit has created faith in your heart, you know love. Because God has made you a child through the gospel, you know love. You know uh, the, uh, that God has given you the good news, the amazing news that Jesus is our Savior. For every time that you put yourself first, that you didn't love your neighbor as you should have, or love God with your whole heart and use His gifts to His glory and the good of others, Jesus did. And His blood covers all those selfish acts. John continues, We love because He first loved us. We love because we have experienced the life-changing love that God displayed for us in Jesus. Because of Christ's love, we display our love in our, uh, love in our life. For God says, uh, gives us this directive. This then is the command we have from Him. The one who loves God should also love his brother. To stay assembled, we need to know this truth. Because I know love, I am able to love. Because I know the love of God, because I know the sacrifice that Jesus made for me, I am able to love the way Jesus loved me. 
It's not about me or something that I was born with, but what God has revealed to me in the waters of baptism. Because of God, I am able to love. Here is how agape love, sacrificial and unselfish love, acts. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not brave. It does not behave indecently. It is not selfish. It is not irritable. It does not keep a record of wrongs. It does not rejoice over unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. <coughs> Look at all those words. They are all actions. They all fit into one or two categories. What love is, or, or does, looks like, and what love doesn't look like. First of all, love is patient. Children don't understand everything you do. Your children require your time and energy, and that causes you to feel impatient. When those emotions uh, come, what does a parent do? God says, love is patient. How many of you have learned this, learned this passage in the King James Version? And there it translates this word patience as long-suffering. Patience involves effort. God never says patience is easy. He never says sacrifice will be pain-free. God's loving sacrifice was not only difficult, but full of pain. Love is kind. It cares for other people. It doesn't envy or boast. It isn't proud. It doesn't put self first. When I use my gifts and my talents, uh, love doesn't crave attention. I am not focused on how great I am, and not how great, but how great Jesus is. It's not all about me, because if it is, then that's not love, but it's being selfish. Love does not behave indecently. It is not selfish, it is not irritable. Do you see the tensions that arise as, as Christians act this way in, the, in their church, and as they are assembled together? If I am self-seeking, I will want the church to approve my decisions. If, if I am self-seeking, I will want that, that desire to that certain tasks be done my way. This will cause divisions. And that's love. That's not love. That, that's selfish. Love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Every broken relationship has collapsed because someone was unwilling to forgive. Instead, they kept a mental record. They, they kept reminding the spouse, the parent, or the friend of how they messed up. This isn't loving or forgiving. Love doesn't re, uh, delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things. Love that is assembled guards the reputation of others, and it doesn't tear them down. It desires to speak the truth, to help others. Love always trusts. When you use your strengths, your gifts, and your talents, I will believe the best about them and not assume the worst. Love always hopes. It understands that because of God's love, there is a future. Love always perseveres. It never gives up. The glue that holds all these gifts together can be summed up in one very simple truth. Love is God's glue that keeps us assembled. For a marriage to stay assembled, you need to act lovingly and to put your spouse first. To be part of the body of believers who are all unique and have different gifts and talents, you need love. Love looks at 
and my strengths and my talents and says, how can I use them not for my glory and my good, but for God's glory and your good? How do you get love? God gives it to you in his word and through Jesus. Every time you were filled with pride and you kept a record of wrongs, Jesus was patient with you. He didn't run the other way, but he reached out to you to confess your sin. And then when you did, he wrapped his arms around you. Every time you struggled uh, uh, and, and fell, Jesus removed your sin as far as the east is from the west. In the face of suffering, Jesus persevered and sacrificed himself on the cross. God, uh, Christ's love empowers us, and it is his love that keeps us assembled. Don't you love the last verse? Love never comes to an end. Remember John's words? The one who loves God also loves his brother. Here is why love matters. When you love and you sacrifice and you use your strength and talents to help others, other people say, that is backwards. That is, is uh, counter-world thinking. You may say it may be counter-world thinking, but it is pro-God. God's sacrificial love for you never comes to an end. So now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Love is the greatest because it brought you into a relationship with God. It changed your direction from hell to heaven. Love is on display through you. It reveals God's love to others and to the world. Two years ago, the uh, New England Patriots trio disassembled when Tom Brady joined the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. In our world, uh, assemblies come and go. A sports team, a band, a business don't matter to eternity, though. But this assembly does. Since God has formed and united the body and given each and every one of us a unique role and clear purpose, we need to live out the calling that God has given us and to do it to the best of our ability. May the people of this church yearn to love God and love each other and to use our gifts and talents to His glory and to help others. When we love unconditionally, that love will never fail. May God bless us as a church that is assembled together and may God empower us to love knowing that He loved us first. Amen.